Well, hello and welcome to Rhythms of Grace. I'm Christine here with Nate. Here I am. And Sung. Yo. And uh, I think we're all wide awake this time, mm-hmm. so hopefully. Fully caffeinated. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Ready to go. Um, so yeah, we're continuing to talk about uh, technology and how it intersects with faith in our, our lives. So um, Sung, what are we talking about this week? Well, we talked about last episode, the two daughters of technology, according to sociologist Jean Twenge. And she says the first one was individualism and the second one she calls a slower life, mm. which means that uh, because of technology, our, the pace of life has slowed to a crawl and we have all the time that we need because of the convenience of technology. Yeah, I was going to say, that's, that doesn't, that's not how my life feels. Yeah. <laughs> When did she write this book? 1870? Well, I mean, but that's the thing. I, you know, like um, Time Magazine came out with this thing back, at, I don't know what decade it was, that by the time 2000 hits, because of technology, the washing machine, all these mm. things, that we would have yeah. so much yeah. time oh, yeah. that we would be working like 20 hours a week yeah. because of all this technology and the opposite is true. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I, I don't want to turn this political. But I will say that technology has allowed the individual productivity of the worker to go up extraordinarily. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That has not equated to them working less hours. It has, oh boy, it has (laughs) turned into corporations making record profits yeah. <laughs> like yeah. i mean I, I don't this uh, it's just it's a fact mm-hmm. yeah uh so i don't know where you sit politically but that's not really an arguable truth yeah 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 but that's not what the slower life means good mm. so we can move on from that <laughs> sounds like let's take a left turn from whatever nate just said back to the real point no it's good go for well, it well i'm and the i mean let's let's talk a little bit about the pace of life which mm. is the slower life is not referring to the pace mm. which actually has quickened yeah yeah uh exponentially yeah to the point where again you would think like i imagine I try to imagine, man, what would life be like if you didn't have a washing machine? Oh my goodness. I mean, you would have to wash it by hand. You'd yeah. have to hang it out in the, you know, on a line that would take forever. And on one hand right. you're like, Oh, I'm so glad at the same time. What do you fill that time with? Mm-hmm. Right. There's more mm-hmm. options, yeah. more opportunities, more things to, uh, FOMO about, right? And so it's just, it's created this whirlwind of chaos in people's lives. I mean, like, let's take the, let's take the washing machine just specifically. Like one of the things that the washing machine allows is that you can have more clothes because (laughs) it's not, you know, you can have more clothes. But that also means that you spend more time like picking your outfit. It means you need a larger closet. It means that you spend more time sort of like folding and putting away. It, yeah. Like th- it's interesting to say that in one arena it does save time, but yeah. it also allows all of these other things that do take up time and space mm-hmm. in our lives. That's like uh, my mind went to the dishwasher also. Mm-hmm. Like I have a yeah. dishwasher. My fiance doesn't. And I think we spend the same amount of time doing dishes, but it's because I'm like, oh, I can use a thousand measuring right. cups and just wash them. You know, I just toss them in the dishwasher, mm-hmm. but then I, you know, still have to rinse them, put them in, yep. put them away. Whereas he's like, I'm making this meal with one measuring cup and one spoon. Cause I'm yeah. going to have to hand wash whatever, you know, and hand dry, whatever I yeah. uh, use. I know we were going on a, on a short vacation. So I, I don't know if people know this, but I have a uniform that I, I've always, I've had a uniform for years at this mm-hmm. point and it changes little by little, but I buy things in multiples, like five, 10 things at a time. So we were getting ready 
before a vacation and it was about time to leave. And my daughter was like, dad, have you even packed your clothes yet? And I was like, Lucy, all I have to do is count. Like that's it. Like how many days I just grabbed that many shirts. And she's like, Oh my goodness. I was like, yeah, like that is why I do it because I don't want to have to think about what I'm wearing. So (laughs) speaking of uniforms, uh, uh, I have a uniform. I wear mostly all black and all black on certain days. And uh, I just come back from a conference in Chicago where they gave us a couple of free t-shirts. And one evening I, you know, uh, it was wrapped up in a, in a rubber band. I, uh, you know, uh, un, unwrapped it and put it on and it was a white t-shirt. <laughs> I walked into the bedroom and, uh, Amy's like, her eyes just went wide <laughs> and she, she's like, what are you wearing? It's hilarious. Well, and it also had like all these multiple colors, right? Yeah. Pink, blue, green, oh my gosh, that's hilarious. all in the front. And she's like, what? And my son comes and he's like, what dad? <laughs> Yeah, and, and I just said, "Hey, I'm only wearing this uh, to go to bed." I'm not wearing yeah. this. And then I chucked it. I <laughs> after that reaction, yeah. like, it was like too much trouble. Uh, oh, funny, but yeah. but it's true. Well, and you could say with a, a bigger closet, then you go from a, a regular closet to a walk-in closet. Mm-hmm. Then you need to buy a, a three-bedroom, four-bedroom, five-bedroom, six, you know, two thousand square foot, three thousand square foot yeah. house because. Well, gosh, thanks, washing machine. Well, okay, but like, here's the truth. Our home, the oldest part of our home was built in the 1800s. The newer part of our home was built in the 1920s. Mm. And in our entire home, there are two closets. Mm. The home is, is huge. It's like a huge sprawling farmhouse. There are two, maybe you could count one other thing as a third closet, but not really. Mm. So just, I mean, think about that. It was at one point and we've taken a lot of them out. It was a seven bedroom house with two closets. Wow. Because nobody had any clothes. Yeah. They walked around naked. (laughs) You could keep it all in one little chest at the foot of your bed. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, so we've talked a lot about what you didn't mean by the slow life. Yeah. Okay. What does the Thank slow you, life, <laughs> what does it really mean, Sung? So technology, so this was interesting when I first read this because I did not think about this because uh, how technology actually uh, creates this uh, phenomena where it takes longer to grow up and it mm. takes longer to grow older. So the trend is is you see people getting uh, uh, getting their driver's license later, getting married later. Mm. Uh, having kids later. Having kids later, mm-hmm. retiring later. I mean, yeah. that's all true today. Even yeah. like getting their first job later. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, people are getting their uh, doctorates and postdoctorates and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, and that's actually also another effect of technology is because we talked about this a little last week, but because uh, more and more jobs are uh, information and, and skill-based, yeah. service-based, now you need more and more and more education. Mm-hmm. Think about to like- qualify. Yeah. yeah. Think about like back in the Little House on the Prairie days, you know, you got mm-hmm. whatever elementary school education. And if you could lift something heavy, you had a job. That's yeah. right. Like legitimately. Right. And yeah. now it's like, oh, you only got a ninth grade education. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. what job are you going to get? Yeah. yeah. And so it's a very different society, different different world. And so that's 
created a different reality, which I, I don't know that we consciously think about. Right. Because you will hear older generations going like, oh, you know, I was married by the time I was 18. Yeah. yeah. What's well, It's a different world, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I'm, I mean, even in a single generation, you know, I was married um, when I, I had just turned 20 and I had my, I had Gabe when I was 23. Mm. So for him, when he brings his friends to our house, I am, I, I, I am literally much younger than most of his, yeah. uh, most of his friends, parents, parents huh. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and now it's like even later, you yeah. know, our friends who are having kids are at least a decade, if not 15 years older than I was. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Uh, I was just talking with my sisters in law about like family timelines, like when are they going to have kids? And they're, they're my age. Um, and it's interesting because their mom had them at like 35, Mm. which 26 years ago was really late in life to be having kids. Like she was like alone amongst her peers having Mm. kids at that time. Um, And that was even, uh, yeah. So um, for her, it was like really late and they're like, oh yeah, we'll probably wait for, you know, another 10 years before, before we start having kids. um, Because now that's like a normal time to have kids. And so it's just interesting, like you said, in just in one, one generation. Yeah. How much that shifted? What what do they describe? What their reasoning for waiting was? Mm. Like what fills that? What fills that time? Yeah. So um, yeah, I think it's it's different for for yeah. I, I'm lumping them together. Yeah, uh, but it's not the same for everybody. Yeah, it's not I the same that. for everyone. But um, so my my one sister in law for her, it's like okay, well, I'm I'm finishing my my master's program, and so I wouldn't mm-hmm. want to have kids until I graduate. And then I have a three-year kind of certification. So probably I'll want to wait until after that certification is done. Um, For the other sister, it's like, well, I've always imagined having kids in a house. And we aren't going to be able to afford a house until we're at least 30. And so, you know, it's, again, it's not like... It's different reasons. Yeah, it's different reasons. And so uh, for for the one sister-in-law, she always pictured being 24 in a house with kids. Mm. Um, But the reality is... uh, that that's not that's in in downtown portland that's not the timeline (laughs) um and so uh she's having to imagine like okay it am i one of those people which is like how she's always thought of it like one of those people who has kids in an apartment Mm -hmm. um because she's always thought oh i i'm not one of those people who has kids in an apartment um and she had an image of what those people were um so yeah just i think but that's yeah. exactly, I mean, that's exactly what you were talking about. Those benchmarks are stretched way further oh, yeah, out yeah, yeah, yeah. than people even maybe anticipated, right. you know, like yeah. you, you sort of like you think, oh, I'll be in a home when I'm 24. And then suddenly it's like, oh no, that's five, six years away. Yeah. The, all the benchmarks beyond that sort of start to move as well. So you do get the slow life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a fast life actually requires, uh, you know, limited ed- education because it's not based on education per se. And uh, you, and the other reality is back in the days you wanted more children because the rate of infant mortality was very high. Mm. And especially on a farm, you Preach. want, I am talking about nothing that I know from firsthand experience, but on a farm, you want more hands to do the work. Dude, now that most of my kids have left the house and suddenly (laughs) I'm doing all the mowing, like legitimately, I I sometimes reach the end of my week and I'm like, I can either get all the things done that I need to, or I can spend these next five hours mowing. Like like that's suddenly now Mm. a choice for me. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, oh shoot, I had another thought about that, about the slow life and the fast life. Oh, I think the other thing about the the fast life, if I can if I can bring this in, is that in some ways it feels riskier. Yeah. Because it's not like you can have kids in an apartment. Like you can. Yeah. But it is harder. Like mm-hmm. there are a t- way more unknowns. Like y- you s- you think about like, oh my gosh, am I going to raise my kids surrounded by all these people that mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, yeah. that share a wall with me or share, you know, a front entrance with me versus your own home. Like mm-hmm. there is a sense of risk there. Um, or if you have kids young and you're not firmly established in your career, suddenly you're like, I have to take care of this kid. Mm -hmm. Like I can't lose this job. Like all of those things feel riskier. Um, but risk doesn't have to be the barrier that we perceive it to be. Yeah. I was also going to add the fast life is riskier. I thought this is where you're going because, uh, when that was the, uh, society in general, the fast life, it was because there were more risks Mm. of, let's say, uh, you know, your Mm. crops being all gone Mm -hmm. and you don't know how, uh, um, and so you like, and so you lost family members all the time, Mm -hmm. kids and stuff. And so you want to have kids fast and, and you want it a lot. Um, because that not only provided work, but that uh, like, and, and the other thing is life expectancy back then, yeah. Yeah. like mom and dad, they're, they're gone by 42, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. so you need kids to take care of each other and you. And even this is the other thing that I thought about that around mortality is that it, if you imagine, I think most of us imagine living into our eighties easily, mm-hmm. like that stretches out the timeline yeah Yeah. and and it's sort of like i am less willing to take risks now because and even my parents who are retired they're Mm -hmm. thinking this way sort of like i'm unwilling to take risks now because even though i'm in my 70s i'm gonna be here for 20 more years Yeah. yeah and so you sort of like stretch out your the risk factor because you imagine it having having to, your life going sort of on indefinitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like all of those uh, scenarios where it's like, oh, if you if you knew you were going to die a month from now, what yeah. would you do? Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're willing to take a lot more risks. And if it's like, okay, you have 30 years to do everything you want to do, you're going to get it done in 30 years. Yep. You'll take um, that long. Yes. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're like, oh, you have the next 80 years to do whatever you want to do, it's like, oh, okay. The, the the yeah you'll stretch it out for 80 years mm-hmm. yeah no i i think that's true i think that's true and oh go ahead no go ahead i was just gonna say and i think in some ways technology also allows us to do that yeah. like you, you don't yeah. you're not um yeah there are lesser con- technology protects us from some of the consequences mm-hmm. of living safely yeah I think also just like speaking into it as a woman, like uh the other factor is it's not just like you know uh like men, I think maybe, uh, play less of a role in, in some of these where it's like, Oh, as a woman, like now I have the opportunity because of technology, because of individualism, I can get an education. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas before it's like, maybe, you know, if I'm stuck at home and I am not allowed to learn how to read and I'm taking care of the house, all of a sudden it's like, can I, can you give me some kids? Like, can we, can we get this role in? Right. <laughs> or even to say that, that now, um, it used to, like it used to be, I mean, it does get harder to have children the oh, older you are, yeah. but technology has in some ways protected yeah. us yeah. from that risk. It's right. like yeah. not as risky to wait until your late thirties right. to have kids as it was 20, 30, 40 years ago. Yeah, right. absolutely. And this is kind of mind blowing, but the average life expectancy in the U S did not hit uh, top 60 until 1931. Wow. 
So mm-hmm. think about it. A hundred years ago, life expectancy was 60. Mm-hmm. And, and you think about that in these ter- today's terms, 60 feels really young. Uh, most people are still working. Yeah. 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 And, and then it didn't reach 70 until 1961. So that was like, you know, like right before our generation mm-hmm. and didn't reach 75 until 1989. Man. So you, you think about like most of history, life expectancy was uh, under that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so hence the fast life, like, oh, got to have kids, got to start working, got to do all this because when you're 20, man, that's like half your life. Yeah. 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 Versus now you hit you know, 40, 45, like, yeah, that's, you know, I could live, that's, that's maybe half my life. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of medical technology too, right. We, we are extending, uh, the longevity of, uh, life expectancy. And hence you have people now who are retired, but then they're still working. Mm-hmm. Part of it is because they know they're, they're not, you know, they may be around for another 20 years mm-hmm. or more. So all those things have shaped and, and it's because of technology. Yeah. yeah. But even people, even people that find themselves able to continue working late, much later into life, there is sort of the mentality that like, like medicine has progressed to the fact that I'll still be able to enjoy my retirement years, mm. you know, but again, it's just one of those things where, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but technology can sort of protect us from some of the risks of the slow life that didn't exist before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, so you got married when you were 20. Oh yeah, man. Okay. So you're on the early end. So I got, I turned 20 in at the end of March Okay, and I got married in mid June. So I was just, I was 20 for like less than two months, three months. Okay. Yeah. 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 Amy was 24, three, 24 when we got married and looking back, we're like, wow, she was really young. I know. I was 26 (laughs) turning 27. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And Christine, you're about to get married. I know. I'll be, I'll be 20. Uh, oh, I'll be 27 when I get wow. married. I'm going to have a birthday. <laughs> um, so, when is your uh, birthday? November 28th. Oh, coming so, up soon. Yeah, after Thanksgiving. Coming up soon. Yeah. Nice. Um, but yeah, it's like for me, I'm on the early end of my peer group. Of your peers. Yeah. Um, but it. on the late end in this room, yeah. which is, which is again, just kind of a testament to what we've been talking about. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I mean, I will say I don't regret getting married young. <clears throat> um, I, in fact, I think it was great. Mm-hmm. I think it was great, honestly. Um, but I, that doesn't mean that there weren't some really, really hard years, mm-hmm. you know, like where we were finishing school and trying to establish our careers and just a lot of uncertainty there. Mm-hmm. The one benefit that I will say is that when you're in your twenties, those type of risks feel less right. risky, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, it's sort of like, Oh, we can always go, but yeah, you know, we could live with a parent or yeah. we, you know, those things are still sort of feel like still options. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I don't regret it. Mm. Yeah. It is interesting, though, thinking about like, oh, I, you know, um, thinking about the different people I know who got married at 19, 20, 21. um, It it does feel like also a product of technology that we don't do that as much Mm -hmm. because usually those are people that knew each other for a consistent amount of time and were like grounded in a community. Um, and now technology has allowed us to not be grounded in any community um, and to have limitless options out there. Um, and that almost like that, that also is creates the slow life, right? Where it's like, Oh, if you were to 
live in, in one area for a consistent amount of time and, um, you know, like really invest in those people and, and it, it just, it changes the pace of life. Well, I mean, I will say one of the reasons that we felt confident getting married was that we talked to both of our sets of parents beforehand. We talked to, we had a mentor couple Mm -hmm. that we had, um, sort of had walked with us through our dating years and we talked to our close friends and sort of said like, look, are we crazy here? And <laughs> and it was it was a resounding like, go for it. Yeah. Which was one of the reasons we felt really confident. Yeah. So we were firmly established in a, in a community of people that knew us very well yeah. and knew our relationship very well. Yeah. And that sort of gave us the confidence to take that leap. Yeah. And again, with, with technology, you don't, you don't need to be no. grounded in Mm-mm. a community that knows you. No. Right. I, in fact, uh, I did a wedding not that long ago of a couple that found each other on some dating app, mm-hmm. Tinder. I don't know, something like that. Yeah. Um, and and both of them are well, at least he is uh, well into his thirties, uh, which is uh, again late for getting married. Not, I mean, not super late, but later than let's say what my generation is used to. <laughs> Uh, but part of it is, I mean, he's, he went through medical school, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Now she's going through medical school. And so again, the, the opportunities for career development and advancement and all those things even puts marriage, let alone, ch- you know, children, uh, really as a, uh, um, uh, a mile marker that's kind of further mm-hmm. down the road. Well, I was going to say for you, Christine, Mm -hmm. like your family is not local yeah, and neither is your fiance's Mm -hmm. like your, didn't you say like the wedding is going to be the first time your families are like together. Yeah, yeah. And again, that's just a really, I I don't think that's an uncommon experience, but it does change the dynamics of your relationship in a, in a pretty extraordinary way. And, and also, yeah, I think, you know, because we're, we're because of, of the age we're at and, um, like the fact that our families are far apart, the first question we get from most people um, in and out of the church is which app, which platform did you meet on? Like mm. which app did you meet on? <laughs> which is a really common yeah, question because yeah. that's, again, like mm-hmm. m- most of the people I know who got married in the past couple of years met on some sort of app right. because that's how else do you meet people is kind of the question that I get. I I'm so old. That blows my <laughs> mind. I mean, it, it really blows my mind. Yeah. It's that's so foreign to me. Yeah. I can't even hardly imagine it. Yeah. When I say like, Oh no, we met at church. Uh, recently one of my friends was like, well, not all of us are that lucky to mm. like meet someone in person. Yeah. Um, but I, th- and I think that that is the more common experience is like, how do you meet people? How do you get to know people? And, and learn to trust them when, especially in Ann Arbor, none of us are near family. None of us mm-hmm. are, are deeply, not none of us. A lot of people are not deeply connected into any community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's an interesting way to, to observe that technology has impacted the way that relationships develop. Like the yeah. trajectory yeah. of a relationship, it, it's not value neutral for it to start digitally. Right. You mm-hmm. know. Again, I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm just saying it's not value neutral. Yeah. It does have a strong impact on what the next what the next logical step is. You know, because yeah. again, if you're in a community, a physical community, and you're in close proximity, mm-hmm. m- meeting each other's like people sort of feels natural and probably happens early. Yeah. If it's a if it's digital, it probably feels like moving it from sort of us and this digital experience to our real world mm-hmm. relationships probably feels like a massive, massive step. And again, not right or wrong, but that really changes yeah. where those things happen. Yeah. And that's m- most of my peers who meet in an app will take 
two to three years between starting to like mm-hmm. first date and engagement, which is like a, a very natural timeline, I think culturally mm-hmm. right, right now. Sure. Whereas Orlando and I are like, I don't know, 14 months from like starting to date to marry, like mm-hmm. at so the half altar. The time. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be half the time. And that's like when we're getting married, not yeah. engagement. Yeah. Um, and that I wouldn't feel that confident if we had met in an app, you know, mm-hmm. like that would not be our timeline. Right. Um, but because we had met in community, spent a year getting to know each other, it was, it was easier. The timeline gets faster. So it is, it's like a slower life when technology is sort of Mm -hmm. the go between instead of community. Um, Mm -hmm. but I was like, oh, I already know all of his friends and they know him and they Mm -hmm. can, um, vouch for his character. And there are all those different things that you have to suss out on your own if you're meeting in an app. I think it's also, I think it's a good reminder where your friend was like, Hey, we're not all so lucky. Like that that is like, that's a reality. I mean, the, the, the technological buffers that exist in our lives, they're real. They're not, you know, it's not like you can just ignore them Mm -hmm. or say like, Oh, you shouldn't acknowledge them as a reality. They are a reality. Mm -hmm. I just think it's helpful to also understand sort of like how the dominoes fall with them being in place. Yeah. And so that that said, that means neither slow life nor, um, I was going to say good life. <laughs> I need more coffee. Neither the slow life nor fast life strategy is inherently good or bad. Yeah. I, I think it depends on adapting to the circumstance and your place and time uh, in particular. There are advantages and disadvantages and just having the wisdom to know how to navigate through those. Yeah, I also think it's helpful to not Um, In the same way that people began to look at the fast life and say, for example, as a woman, if I want to get an education, the fast life is is actually something that I need to step away from. Yeah. You know, I think it's helpful to also remember that you can look at the slow life the same way and say, if I if I want to have kids younger, like just work your way backwards and Mm -hmm. be cognizant of that. It's not right or wrong, but I think being mindful of it in the Mm -hmm. same way that we were mindful of abandoning some of the, the, you know, fast life boundaries that existed. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's, I think that's a helpful way to, to analyze it. I think the, the, the problem, at least for, for me being, uh, being 26 is it's like, well, uh, when, when I hear that, I'm like, well, I should have started analyzing those boundaries at age 16 uh, if I wanted to, you know, because I instead I at age 17 had chosen or at age 16 had already committed to going to school in a different state yeah. with different, you know, like they're yep. just all of these uh, those dominoes start getting set really early in life. They do. Um, and looking at my students, they're getting set even earlier mm-hmm. um, of just like, oh, this is this I'm choosing my path. Before I'm in high school. Yeah. Um, and so I, it's all in some ways, yes, we should be analyzing it. In other ways, I think it's easy to feel kind of like the hopelessness of, mm. oh, wait, I didn't, I didn't want to be on the slow path, but, but it was set up for me at age 14 right. to begin falling. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know what they say, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Yeah. Second best. <laughs> 
right today. now. Yeah. You know, like I, I don't think it's ever too late to, to begin to reevaluate. Yeah. I really don't think so. I mean, you and, and I think you and uh, you and your fiance sort of demonstrate that as well. Mm, yeah. Like it's true that you started on a bit of on a slow life path, but when it came to a relationship, yeah. I mean, you jumped on the express. Train. <laughs> <laughs> no, <that's true. laughs> no I, I'm, I'm just saying like you did choose. Yeah. It, it wouldn't have been weird for you to say like, we want to take two or three years. Yeah. Here's some bench. You know, I want to get finished my MDF. That wouldn't yeah. be strange at all. Yeah. But you sort of said like, no, we're going to, we're going to sort of do this quickly. Yeah. No, that's true. And also even as we're evaluating like family timelines, like we're talking about not like when is, you know, yeah, we're, we're talking about what are our, our goals as a couple, not like which benchmarks do we need to hit? Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't think for us, the benchmarks aren't the priority as much as the family. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a, another really, uh, helpful, uh, reminder one of the things that for me was so great about getting married young was that all of my um all of my decisions about my future were made in community essentially mm. before i was even out of college yeah. and i found that to be of significant benefit mm. um it's again it's not right or wrong but like that is one of the benefits of of that path right um, that we sort of have, we sort of, we say this, we sort of like became adults together. Yeah. Um, and so there are a lot of ways that we experience the positive side of that now. Um, that's not to say that again, not right or wrong, but that is one of the benefits if you go that direction. And it's like, you're saying, Christine, it's, it's sort of like, Hey, we're, we're planning together now Yeah. instead of sort of, um, an individual list of accomplishments or benchmarks. Mm-hmm. I think the temptation is to want uh, um, to accomplish it all. Have kids, mm. get your degree, your terminal degree, get the jo- job of your dr- uh, dreams, get the house of your dreams, mm-hmm. a dog, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and do it all by the time you're like 28. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the temptation, and, and the, it's also the fantasy. Yeah, that was, I was uh, watching a comedian do, she was like a female comedian doing a whole routine about how she doesn't want to have kids. And um, even though that's like the the most incredible thing a woman can do, she's like, you know, everyone tells me you can have it all. You can have the job, you can have the kids, you can have it all. And she's like, who says having it all is like the goal? Who says that's a good thing? Like when have you gone to an all you can eat buffet and left feeling like this is my best life? (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing it right. Four cupcakes later. Exactly. (laughs) Um, And I just, I was blown away by that because I think that's, you know, we talked about this before with the limitless life. Like Mm -hmm. I think we are told that lie. Like, oh yeah, you can have it all and that will be a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But having it all is too much. Like that's... um, yeah. So like thinking about, okay, if you could only pick two. And, and again, I think technology does impact this because it's very technology. First of all, like we've said many times, shields us from some of the cost That's mm-hmm. true. of having it all, but also hides some of the cost yeah. of mm-hmm. having it all. And so you, you can sort of see these things as like, well, yeah, you can have it all this, 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 and this, but without n- understanding what the cost is, or I should say this, once you understand what the cost is, it's much easier to say like, yeah. oh, well, I, I don't want that. And I don't want that. Mm-hmm. And I don't want that. Um, and, and again, it just is an interesting way that technology shapes us mm-hmm. without us necessarily being aware of it. Yeah. Uh, I uh, 
have been seeing more and more like I used to be like oh people don't like hide their true selves on Instagram like I don't <laughs> old people always say that but I don't know about it but then like I've been watching my friends posts and realizing like oh this friend is posting all these beautiful photos of how you can be a grad student and it working full-time and also um taking your dream vacation all the time <laughs> and like living the free life in the midst of grad school and work and this parent is posting about her perfect children when she's also working full time and, you know, like balancing all of these responsibilities. Um, and I feel like I've begun to see how like, uh, yeah, actually those those things aren't as easy as they look. Yeah. But it makes me believe like, oh, I could be a parent and work mm -hmm. full time and be in school. Oh, I could uh, or I should be able to. Right. Mm -hmm. Or like, oh, I should be able to travel more even though I'm working full time and I'm in school or, you know, those different um the the vision of the limitless yeah. life yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah well we are not limitless here <laughs> no so i again i want to ask the same question i asked um last last episode. last episode which is which is how how does it feel like this intersects with faith well mm. uh, i mean if we're talking about like benchmarks mm -hmm. how how does technology impact our fast versus slow journey towards faith mm -hmm. in faith. I, I do feel like, uh, it, it feels the same with faith as it does with kids or, you know, marriage or, you know, any other thing where it's like, Oh, this can come later. Ah. If you're only living 40 years, faith is essential. Um, because like, you I'm going to meet Jesus any day. Yeah, now. literally. <laughs> um, you're like, and, and we're so technology distances us from death. Mm -hmm. Most of us don't, don't ever see a dead body before it's been embalmed and like beautified. Right. And so it's like, if we, we don't see death firsthand, we don't see, um, the effects or the, the nearness of it. And so. It, it's easy to say, oh, I will invest in my spirituality right, after grad school. Right. I have lots of time. I, yeah, I'll do that once my kid, you know, once I have kids, then I want them to be raised in the faith. Oh, but, you know, that's maybe not till I'm 40 is when they're going to be able to mm -hmm. like think about, you know, because a baby doesn't need to learn about faith. I'll wait till they're five. Oh, well, we're really busy now. So maybe when they're teenagers, we'll try youth group. You know, it's just easy. I literally had this conversation with a friend of mine where he mm. said like he grew up in, in faith, but then left it very comfortably. And he, he literally said like, I'll come back to it when I have kids. Yeah. Like that was just sort of in his mind. He's like, oh, in the, in the meantime, I'm not really going to worry about it. But once I have kids, we'll go back to church. Yeah. It's like that destination mindset. Mm. Like, kind of like when people have like, oh, when I retire, then I will mm -hmm. do all these things that I really enjoy Yeah. versus kind of like embedding that life like today and mm. not waiting for some distant future. I, I mean, that's true of uh, faith, kids, exercise. Oh, when I, you know, get to this point, then I'll uh, enjoy and get in some rhythm of practice but mm -hmm. that's usually that that's really a myth mm -hmm. right so i guess what we could say is that one of the benefits of like the fast life <laughs> mentality is that perhaps you do um you do sort of think a little bit harder about your short-term or medium-term priorities and mm -hmm. decisions um simply because you're sort of understanding like oh i don't i don't have forever mm -hmm. so that would be one of the benefits mm-hmm mm -hmm. 
I think also uh, this is making me think about something that I've been noticing for a while, but maybe this is the reason is like, you know, 50 years ago um, when we talked, when we, when we gave sermons from the stage, there was a lot more talk about heaven and hell Mm -hmm. because those were imminent, those were imminent realities Mm -hmm. in everyone's life. And today we, we talk about how can, what does this have to do with today? Mm-hmm. Because I'm not thinking about when, you know, well, I, yeah. I probably think about it more than the average person, but like most people aren't <laughs> thinking about whether or yeah. not they're going to die tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so heaven and hell aren't, aren't compelling hmm. um, because they are distant. If ever, who knows, we might be yeah. robots by then. <laughs> Technology will allow our, our, our spiritual side to live on uh, in a jar. Um, so, so, but then, so I guess the, one of the benefits of the slow life mentality though, is again, like Jesus did say an awful lot, like love your neighbor sort of, he did have a lot to say about existing in the present in a way that was meaningful and, and sort of Christ centered. And so removing ourselves from sort of like I can do, it doesn't really matter. I'm like waiting for the Mm. sweet by and by. Mm -hmm. I can see that that is one of the values of the slow life, which is like the decisions you make today. Like that is the life that you're living. Mm -hmm. So love your neighbor and be kind. And you know, um, so I, it's again, I'm trying, what I'm trying to say is like, look, these aren't right or wrong, but we should uh, analyze the Mm. pros and cons of each. And I think what, uh, the important part in that is being present. I think that's maybe one of the hazards of the slow life is uh, like, you know, right now it's like, oh, well, uh, you know, when I have kids and that's five years from now. And Mm -hmm. so you're always living five years from now instead of being present where you are. Or when I graduate from grad school, I can do this and this. And so you're always living when I graduate from, you know what I mean? Like instead of being present and engaging with faith and engaging with your community in the here and now. So it's so fascinating that technology does both of those things. (laughs) Like in some ways it does. It's like that same sort of like washing machine lie that Mm. we started with. It both gives you more time in the moment if you choose to take it, but also opens up so many possibilities that you Mm. don't have to be present Mm -hmm. if you don't want to. (sighs) Technology. (laughs) Cruel, cruel (laughs) deceiver. So what I'm hearing is maybe in my mind I'm summing summing it up this way that we should be living uh, we should be acting and living uh, the fast life being engaged in the present Mm. but we should be thinking the slow life down the road Mm. of planting trees for eternity Yeah, I mean, I think, and we talked about this last week as well. It's like faith in some ways calls us to live in the uncomfortable middle yeah. of the two things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's, I mean, it's it's like probably a cliche from like my Baptist school past, but like when people were like, live like you're going to die tomorrow and live like you're, and, act, and live like you're going to, you know, live for a for hundred years mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Sort of the mm-hmm. living in the in that tension. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The yeah. both and. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I think one of the things though, cause when you said like, Oh, we should also, we should be in some ways living like the fast life, but also thinking like the, the slow life. I think also, um, realizing that, um, uh, 
the fast life is not like right or wrong. Cause mm-hmm. I think again, maybe especially for women, it feels like, Oh, I should have already done this, right, but right. also I should be living the slow life and getting, you know, so it's like, yeah. I should have already had kids and I should be getting my PhD mm-hmm. because I have to live into both values and really taking time to be like, Oh, okay. What middle road is God calling me to? Mm. And that might be the PhD. It might be kids. It might be neither. It might be something else entirely. Um, but I think sometimes uh, it, it it feels like instead of like, oh, how can I live the middle way? It's like, oh, I'm doing it wrong for not living up to either expectation mm-hmm. that like our culture has now or our culture had 50 Right, years like ago. a catch-22. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I would even say it's not the middle way as much as kind of like where your, your story and God's way kind of intersects, mm. right? Cause, and so the thing that comes to mind when it comes to where's the intersection of faith uh and this is a vague term, but just like your, your calling, what, what God has called you to discovering your unique, mm. uh, um, design mm-hmm. and, and calling in life. And so if God's called, if God's called you to be a stay at home mom and you go for your PhD, you're being unfaithful, mm. like, uh, you, you know, not that they can't coexist yeah. or if, if God is calling you to not have kids, mm-hmm. you, you, you know, so I, that's exactly the example that I was thinking of, because there are plenty of like sort of um, champions of the faith mm-hmm. who were horrible, like fathers and husbands, you <laughs> yeah, know? And yeah. and mm-hmm. that was like sort of living in the fast life as the right choice mm-hmm. when actually God was probably calling them to the slow life. Like, hey yeah. man, you should stay single and travel everywhere and whatever and not like be an absentee father, right. you yeah. know? Yeah. So it's a good point, so. Yeah, it brings us back to like that definition of humility that I think we talked about mm-hmm. uh, maybe a few weeks ago of occupying your God-given space in the world mm-hmm. and being um, fully present in that space instead yeah. of um, trying to live in everyone else's space. Or wishing for a, a different future version yeah. of that space. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think it's good to realize that like those, like God's voice can be found in both of those places. In mm-hmm. fact, we should probably look both yeah. both ways, yeah. you know, sort of future-oriented and sort of like the here and now oriented mm-hmm. to, to find God's voice because... I think it's very easy to spiritualize one or the other, mm-hmm. which yes. is like, I'm just going to wait until I'm not doing anything <laughs> until I hear from God, like slow life faith or yeah. sort of like God helps those who helps themselves. And yeah. I'm just going to like get after it. And Jesus, you better catch up because I'm already on a plane, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I feel like we've covered a lot of ground this episode. Yeah. Any final thoughts about the slow life, the fast life or anything in between? Oh man, I uh, I think I've said everything that I that is in my brain. Besides that, I feel I sort of feel the weight of the importance of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I I I am conti- as we talk about technology. What I continually come back to is the importance of observation and reflection, mm-hmm. and that um, an an unreflected existence is one that is inherently going to miss sort of what God has for us. Mm-hmm. And I think technology makes it very easy for us to do that yeah. in both directions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mic's right. drop. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, uh, we will see you again next time for more Rhythms of Grace. Are we still talking about technology? We yeah. got more to say? Yeah. Okay, more good. Say. I'm liking it. I'm liking it. <laughs> I'm about to burn my cell phone. <laughs>